If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse the entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express. You'll be in in and out in minutes. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, we continue our conversation on individual players in the Colorado Rockies organization. I still haven't decided how deep I'm going to take this, but there are some people who are obviously going to be discussed. Thus far, I have covered John Gray, who actually took uh, 10 minutes to appear on that episode of the podcast, Rymel Tapia, and Wade Davis. I asked a couple of days ago on Twitter who fans would like to most hear about next. And there were a lot of different people, actually, that received votes. But uh, pretty easily in first place, quite frankly, was Ryan McMahon. And so Ryan McMahon is who we are going to be discussing on this episode of the podcast. Of course, most of you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, that he is one of the players that I have followed most closely throughout his minor league career and obviously into these first couple of years in the majors. And so I'll hopefully have more to do than just recite the stats over the years, though obviously we'll we'll do all of that as well. Ryan McMahon is currently 24 years old. Uh, He will turn 25 in December, so he will be playing the 2020 season 
at the age of 25. He's basically coming into his physical prime now with uh, a couple of years of major league experience under his belt. But let's go back. The Rockies took Ryan McMahon with their second overall pick in the 2013 draft. The first overall pick was John Gray. He was the the second round pick that year, straight out of high school. Uh, And he was uh, uh, seen as a great get for the Rockies at the time. A high school quarterback at modern day in California, a school that's churned out a lot of professional athletes. He, He was you know, an all-arounder. He played basketball, he played football, he played baseball. He chose baseball very early on as uh, the love of his life and uh, just immediately dedicated himself to it. But of course, these other things have always been a part of his profile, right? The athleticism that comes with somebody who can be a true three-sport star, uh, three star athlete in a high school where they're expected to compete in all of those sports. Being the quarterback of a competitive team, the leadership that comes with that, uh, the decision-making that has to come with all of those kinds of things. And so he was brought into the organization with uh, quite a bit of hope. If I recall correctly, even at the time, there were uh, a lot of experts who I'm just, I'm laughing a little bit. At some point, I'm going to tell you guys about the uh, Sabre Banquet that featured Clint Hurdle. It was such a fantastic, and and Clint Hurdle did a little bit about whether or not to call yourself an expert or not, so I just sort of gave myself a little chuckle there, but the the people who write and talk about such things were surprised that McMahon fell to the Rockies in in the second round, and that even though he was going to be a little bit more of a long-term project coming straight out of high school that he had all the tools. Uh, He was, of course, a shortstop in high school, as all of the best players are. Rockies weren't sure, and and most of the scouting suggested that, you know, he probably wasn't quite going to be able to profile as a shortstop all the way up to the major leagues, but that he could end up playing as a plus-plus defender at third base. Uh, because of his quick reaction times, got a very strong throwing arm, uh, doesn't quite have the range or the, or the speed that, that you'd like to see out of a shortstop. So third base was the natural understanding. That's what he was drafted as, basically, a, a third baseman. Now, this was before. This was basically right as Nolan Arenado was beginning to show up at the major league level. So while it's tempting to look back and wonder, like, why did the Rockies convert somebody, basically, into being a third baseman when they had Nolan Arenado? Well, this was still before we knew for sure. There, there were a lot of positive reports on what Nolan was going to be, but even after his first couple of years, like, people forget, I was actually going back recently, a little sidebar here, when we were talking about that whole best all-around third baseman in baseball conversation, and I was looking over MLB networks of the top uh, list of the top 10 third basemen over the last several years since Nolan's been in the league. He's never been ranked their top first baseman ever. I, I think the highest he's ever come in is third. And his first, I think his first year in the league, he like popped onto the list at number nine or number 10. His second year, he was totally off, totally off the list completely. 
And so people forget that no, it wasn't like Arenado was known as one of the best players in baseball at this time. Not that that would have had a ton of an impact on McMahon anyway, but I remember writing, uh, I think it was in 2014, maybe it was in 2015 as Arenado was becoming the superstar that we all know, that eventually Ryan McMahon was going to have to move around the diamond and that he was probably going to take well to that. And, and both of those things have come true since then. Again, those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast know that I met Ryan McMahon shortly after he was drafted in 2013 out in Grand Junction, his rookie season of professional ball uh, on a team that was incredibly fun, and he was a big part of it. He had an extraordinary first year in professional baseball, hitting 321, on basing 402, slugging 583. He cracked 11 home runs in 59 games. He drove in 52 runs in 59 games for Grand Junction. Uh, th- that was just a really special year for a lot of guys on that team. He kind of took Rymel Tapia under his wing and kind of taught him what American life was like and taught him, you know, certain English words, <laughs> whichever ones he may need or just want to know. Um, he-, he really was a big part. And again, going back to the, this is some of what the Rockies were expecting when they drafted him and they were looking at how his teammates talked about him as a high school quarterback. This is the kind of stuff that they wanted. And McMahon takes Tapia and a few other guys under his wing and, and becomes a real leader for this group, really moving forward from here on out. And he would basically do the one level a year thing for the next couple of years. In 2014, goes up to Asheville, uh, is a part of a team there that wins a championship. Uh, his numbers aren't quite as impressive out in a more of a pitcher-friendly league, but still hit 282 on base, 358, slugged over 500 at 502. He hit 18 home runs in 126 games, drove in 102. Again, kind of your power guy numbers, you know, striking out a bit more, and this was always the thing in, in his profile. He struck out 25% of the time that year, 23% of the time the year before, and you know, so he, he's sort of profiling as one of these guys, but he was also having weird variants in reports on his defense. Is he really good over at third base? He was making a lot of errors, but he was also getting to a lot of balls that minor leaguers just don't get to. The athleticism was there, but he's making a lot of, especially throwing errors at third base, but it was getting more and more cleaned up. Uh, he really had a fantastic year the next year in Modesto, 2015 at high A ball. He plays in 132 games, hits an even 300 on bases, 372, uh, and he slugs 520. Now the strikeout rate did continue to climb. He actually had his highest strikeout rate uh, of his career to that point at 27 percent but uh, it's a you know very pitcher friendly uh situation in a lot of the ballparks he was in out there and got that batting average up to 300 and continued to show that he could he was building on his experience he's jumping up levels and kind of maintaining his numbers then the really interesting year came and we've talked about this on the podcast i wrote about this when it happened we talked about it with him when he came on but in 2016 was really the only down year of his career. He gets moved up to double A as one of the five youngest players in the league in, in the, in double A he, his numbers on the surface weren't that great. A very pitcher friendly league 
He, he played in 133 games. He only hit 242 and on base 325, a really low slugging for him of 399. He hadn't slugged below 500 yet. Now he's slugging below 400. He only hit 12 home runs in 133 games, drove in 75. But he was also, there were a couple of different things going on there. That was his first year playing first base. So he was starting to learn a new position. And that was also, as I mentioned, he, he was incredibly young. He was dealing with some uh, changes in some of his mechanics. And a lot of people wrote him off after this year. He'd been steadily climbing through prospect rankings. But this down year with the 242 batting average, it is interesting that he still had a, a WRC plus over 100 at 101 as one of the youngest players in the league, but he didn't by any means dominate or excel uh, that season. And so a lot of people kind of wrote him off as a top prospect around the game. Uh, He came out firing the next year. 2017 was an extraordinary year for Ryan McMahon, who went back to double A. So the first time in his career that he started a season the same place he ended last year. He didn't get jumped up to AAA with those numbers, but he would only have to play 49 games at AA where he absolutely raked, hitting 326, the highest batting average of his professional career, on basing 390, just short of his career high, and slugging 536. He hit six home runs in 49 games. He drove in 32 runs. And it's a 151 WRC plus by far the best of his career. And that had the Rockies thinking, let's jump him up to AAA where he got even hotter. It was crazy what he did in his 70 games of AAA baseball in 2017. He hit 374 over 70 games, 314 plate appearances. He hit 374 on base 411, slugged 612. Of course, those are all way career highs, as is the WRC Plus of 161. He hit 14 home runs and drove in 56 runs. There was one point where he hit over 400 for about a month and a half. He went on a streak where he had a a double-digit number of consecutive games with an extra base hit. He was smoking. He was as hot as... As any player, David Dahl did this in AAA also for about two weeks where he hit like 450 right before he got called up the first time, and that was crazy. Uh, But because McMahon did this really for a couple of months in AAA, for me, it's probably the most impressive display of hitting throughout the minor league organization of any of these guys I've watched come up at any given time in their careers, including Tapia's crazy streaks when he was going 29 straight games with hits and and some of the very impressive things that Dahl has done, as I mentioned. And there have been a lot that have come through. Trevor Story certainly had his insane moments, but what McMahon did there in 2017 was craziness. He got called up to make his major league debut at the end of that year as uh, the Rockies were trying to make their run into the wild card and did eventually make their run into the wild card. But because they were playing in such important games and he had very little experience, he didn't get a lot of playing time. Uh, He appeared in 17 games, but he only made 
24 plate appearances uh, as a pinch hitter and was only able to grab a couple of base hits, a 158 batting average. And it really was just barely a look at the guy. You know, they got him out there to get him a little bit of experience, but it was very similar to what we saw from Dom Nunez this last year where the Rockies are very interested in seeing what he's got and exposing him to the level a little bit. But they they don't want to overexpose him. They they've got their guys that they're trying to play to make a run. Now that was different uh, in seventeen than here, obviously in twenty nineteen. But you know McMahon really didn't get much of a chance to make his impact on that team. But he was still seen as somebody who was really going to be a major factor the following year in twenty eighteen. Probably in some ways the most disappointing season of his career. He was incredible in spring training made the club as a primary bench player really seen as as kind of the first guy off the bench for the Rockies coming out of the gate in 2018 but struggled mightily could not get the handle on getting only one at bat a game was really really bad his first couple of months uh weeks at least I should say and he got sent down and then he came back and he was a little bit better and had one big walk-off home run, then got sent back down the very next day because he was still continuing to struggle. He was striking out 31% of the time. Uh, that's a career high. Uh, you know. So while he did get 91 games at the big league level in 2018 and people were calling for him to overtake Ian Desmond as he looked better in the second half of the season, had some huge moments. That's why it's weird to call 2018 the most disappointing year of McMahon's career because while you know he only hit 232, 307, and slugged 376 for a WRC plus of 69, he had those big pinch hit home runs in crucial games late in the season against the Dodgers that helped the Rockies get to their 91 wins and get into that wild card game. Uh, he, he continued to perform every time he went back to AAA. He put what he was learning into motion and got better, but he wasn't able to crack into the starting rotation. There are people to this day who think that was the wrong move and, and people who are, are more on my side of it thinking like, I, I still just don't think he was quite ready and it's unfortunate and too bad but that's a hard time to throw somebody into their first starting role when they've already shown you know their their warts at the big league level and so I understood why the Rockies didn't just hand him the keys in 2018 but of course coming into this 2019 season we were all expecting that this was finally going to be the year that McMahon got the starts I think we're all a little bit surprised that it ended up being at second base uh, but that ended up being, I think, altogether a very fruitful season for McMahon. The surface level numbers are not fantastic. Again, he started out slow with the 250 batting average, 329 on base, and a 450 slugging overall, though. His 88 WRC plus was a big jump up from the 69 a year before. He did this over 141 games this past season, and he hit 24 home runs. You know, only five home runs for McMahon last year in 91 games of course three of those were game winners but McMahon really took to his starting role he improved dramatically on the defensive side of the baseball and ended up having a really quality 2019 and so I, I think 
you know, as we sit here today looking at McMahon, it's maybe taken him longer to become the everyday player that most fans wanted him to be and that he wanted to be and that the organization wanted him to be. But I've said since 2013 when I first met him to right now here today, this young man has star potential. I don't know if he's going to get there. We never know if they're going to get there. Uh, he did this last year, still strike out 29.7% of the time. That's really high. Unless you're going to slug like Giancarlo Stanton, you can't strike out 30% of the time. Or Trevor Story. But he's starting to get into that area. He did take the walk rate up to about 10% of the time. That'll play. He took his walks. In fact, he had the best walk rate on the team for most of the season. I'd have to double check and see if he actually finished that way. But I know most of the year, every time I checked, Ryan McMahon was leading the team in walk rate. He will take his walks. He takes pride in that. I talked to him about that a lot. In the second half of the season, he was also top five in baseball in average exit velocity. So he's doing a lot of things right at this point. Hey, if you're sitting out there in the cold or really anywhere you happen to be listening to this, I did want to mention that you got to check out opening day over at no Never Summer Breckenridge um, from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Punchbowl Social in Denver, Colorado. Snow is in the air, and the mountains are calling our names. It's time to get out there and party about it. So this year, Denver Legends Gin Doctors will be crushing your favorite 90s hits and you get the chance to take the stage and rock out with them. That's right. Live band 90s karaoke, people. So stay tuned for the sign-up. Some other cool stuff they're doing. You got chances to win this year's Artist Series All-Mountain Snowboard designed by Jamie Molina. Chances to win an epic pass for the season. A premiere Never Summer Industries film outside on a giant LED screen. Free board and ski waxing by 720 Board Shop. And also beer, damn good beer, Breckenridge beer. Check out Never Summer if you're at all into beer or the snowy season, any of it. I'm promising you this is going to be right up your alley. So for more info on opening day and other ways to win this year's Artist Series Snowboard, check out breckbrew.com slash opening day. And so why don't we take a, a quick little break here. We'll pour over a couple more of the numbers and talk about what we can expect from Ryan McMahon moving forward. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs. 
you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Hey, as you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. That's why our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Talking Ryan McMahon on today's episode and he's a player I think is due for a, a breakout in a big way. Coming into his physical primes, I mentioned, entering his age 25 season, he now has 765 plate appearances at the big league level under his belt. He's hit 29 home runs. He's driven in 103 runs. He's got the confidence of his manager, he, and he knows at this point, I'm an everyday player. I play every day at second base. We will see. If there's some shifting around, though, I've talked a lot about how I would love to see Ryan McMahon as the everyday first baseman because of what I think that that could bring to uh, the defensive abilities of the infield. But in order to do that, you have to move Daniel Murphy off the roster. I, I did a thing the other day uh, talking about lineups and, you know, people are giving me their ideal lineups for next season and zero of you had Daniel Murphy in your lineups, and I, and I totally understand why that's the case. Nobody's especially thrilled with anything that Daniel Murphy did this year. But if he's on the roster, he has to be in the lineup, at least at first. And unless you think the guy's done, and I don't, I think he had a down year. I think first year at Coors is always a thing. It's not something that gets talked about enough. But first year at Coors for an outside player can very much be a difficult adjustment. We've seen it with Gerardo Parra. Obviously, seen it with Ian Desmond. We saw it with Marco Scudero. There aren't a ton of guys who come in from outside the organization and rake their first year. Uh, even Michael Kadire, his first year, uh, wasn't fantastic for the Rockies. So it's just maybe that's a thing. Maybe it's not a thing. But he still ended up hitting pretty close to his career, 290. You need to see a bit more slugging out of him. But if Daniel Murphy's on the roster, he's going to get playing time. His resume demands it, even coming off a down year. But preferably, right, Daniel Murphy would net the Rockies a semi-decent reliever prospect and some financial flexibility, and McMahon could move to first base, and you can make second base an open competition between some really intriguing players in Garrett Hampson, Brendan Rodgers. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody else can kind of work their way into that mix at this point, but at least those two guys. And then you do still have McMahon. Uh, should anything crazy happen and, and you need to go with, say, if you've got a what, last year it was Mark Reynolds and then um, Yonder Alonso, whoever you've got in that. And I actually kind of like Yonder Alonso at first base. I would not at all mind, again, especially as kind of a natural reaction to all of these other moves. If Murphy goes, McMahon slides over to first uh, in, in that situation, if you bring back Yonder Alonso, especially if you can get him on a really cheap contract, which I would assume. You could. I liked him both at first and as a pinch hitter at the plate for the Rockies in the role I thought Mark Reynolds was going to play, and he didn't. 
Of course, you never know with some of these aging guys when they're just like with Reynolds when it's going to go away. And so, you know, maybe Alonso, and he was by no means fantastic. I just thought he put together a solid at bat and could pick it up over at first. And so you got to throw him in there for a day. You never felt bad about having Yonder Alonso in there for the day. In fact, you, you almost always felt like, hey, he might do something. He might be a little bit of an X factor today. And so, you know, I think that could be the natural evolution of this. But if not, you feel fantastic about McMahon at second base. He's really starting to look like good old six foot three, six foot four DJ LeMahieu over there. And I know that can be blasphemous to a lot of Rockies fans, but it's true. He has actually has a higher ceiling uh, than DJ. And this was one of the things that was really interesting about this year is that by a lot of the numbers, if you're looking at RBI and home runs and hits and slugging and even arguably defense, Ryan McMahon just put together the best rookie season, if you still count him as a rookie. I mean, technically, I think he's exhausted rookie eligibility before this. He definitely, definitely has. But for a, a guy, this was his first year playing second base every day, and it was his first year playing every day. So it was the best first-year season for any Rockies second baseman ever. And... Does that mean he's just going to continue to go up and up and up and eventually surpass LeMahieu and everything that guy did? Not necessarily, but do understand that he's got the higher ceiling. That if he's going to play defense the way he did, especially in the second half of 2019, and continue to improve on that with some of the subtler things around the bag, some of the little nuances at second base, but he's such a natural. He's so gifted at like when he comes in on a slow roller, he knows how much time he has to get the ball to first base. He almost always makes the right decision about do I go, do I try for the double play or do I just take the one out? Um, and he's going to get better and better and better at those things with experience. It's easy to forget that he's only been playing second base for about a year and a half and he's gotten this good at it. Um, the way he's evolved at the plate. He's a cerebral player. And the more he learns, the better he's going to be. I'm telling you guys, if you want, last year I was asked, I think on opening day on this podcast, who's the guy who's going to be a first-time all-star for the Rockies? And I said it's between David Dahl and Ryan McMahon. And because... McMahon didn't quite have enough experience and hadn't quite shown through a couple skills that I wanted to see yet. And Dahl had. I said, I'm taking David Dahl. He's going to be an all-star. And David Dahl, who's probably going to be the next player we talk about in an individual episode, was an all-star. I'm telling you now here today, if you had to ask me right now, who's your pick for the Rockies' first-time all-star in 2020? It is Ryan McMahon. I don't even, I don't, I mean, there might be others that are, you know, could be in there. Scott Oberg might be an interesting pick. I, I still think there's going to be a day when one of these Rockies pitchers, I think last year I also had Marquez in the all-star game and that didn't happen. You know, I think there's, you know, Gray, Marquez, Freeland are always going to be interesting choices, but they're never going to get the credit the Rockies pitchers should because the raw numbers won't be there. But Ryan McMahon has extraordinary potential that we have only begun to see 
at the major league level. The exit velocity thing in particular, that he's lining the baseball up as well as he was. What are, do they have his BABIP on here? 323. So, you know, for a, a 250 batting average, that's that's probably right around average. The BABIP isn't suggesting that he got particularly unlucky. But when you have that kind of exit velo, the balls are going to drop. The slugging is going to come. Yes, shifting takes away some of that stuff because you can get a hit a screaming line drive right up the middle, and the shortstop is standing there. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, it used to be a hit, but I guess, I guess not anymore. One of the things we've seen him do well that also bodes well for the future, is he clutch? Is clutch a thing? I'm not going to go and say that clutch is a thing. This is where it's kind of funny. I did have somebody kind of get on me about this because I talk so much about Nolan being clutch and clutch being real. And this season, Ryan McMahon, and I tweeted this out at one point, in high leverage situations, hit 271, 363, 477. I was having an, an interesting conversation with Nick Groke one day, and he was asking me, he goes, you know, McMahon's numbers are almost identical to Ian Desmond's. Uh, the raw numbers, at least. And I said, yeah. And he goes, why does it feel like McMahon is the better baseball player, the better hitter? Why does it feel like in any kind of important at-bat, I'd much rather have McMahon at the plate than Desmond if I'm managing the Colorado Rockies? And I didn't know for sure because I hadn't checked the numbers. But when that happens, because I'm a believer in not necessarily in clutch as a provable and projectable skill, but certainly as a thing that impacts baseball games, I said, you know what I bet it is? I bet he's better in high leverage situations. That's part of why he's got far more RBI. And people don't like RBI as a stat, but... I truly believe it can be an indicator, and in this case, it was. In fact, it was really fascinating the way this played out. We had the conversation. We looked up the numbers. This season, in high-leverage situations, McMahon is hitting better than he was in his other spots. So in medium and low-leverage situations, medium leverage, he was hitting 247, and low leverage, hitting 241. Or if you prefer, I don't want to do the full slash lines, throw a ton of numbers at you. How about an OPS? A medium leverage OPS of 765 and a low leverage OPS of 758. So pretty close, just under his average numbers, basically. But you put him in a high leverage situation, he hit 271 and slugged 477. So an 840 OPS, almost a jump of 100 points of OPS in high leverage situations. Of course, we know in 2018, he had the big walk-off home runs against the Dodgers. We can at least feel pretty confident at this point saying that McMahon doesn't feel overwhelmed by the moment. He's had some big moment at bats. As you know, we're not talking postseason clutch here or any of that. So there are a lot of different ways to interpret clutch. And like I said, I'm, so somebody asked me, they go, so are you going to claim that Ryan McMahon is clutch now? And it's like... No, I will say he was clutch for a season. Will he continue to be in the future? I do not know. But I do know that right now, as a young man still coming into his prime with a lot to prove, there's some data out there that suggests you want him up at the plate with the game on the line. 
You'd rather have, of course, McMahon or Bla- uh, excuse me, uh, Arenado or Blackman. But you could do worse than to have this young man. And if he brings up the rest of the numbers, and I'm extraordinarily confident that given health, he will. He will have uh, career highs next season in all categories. Average, on-base, slugging. He'll hit more than the 24 home runs he had this year. He'll drive in more than the 83. He'll, in fact, I feel pretty confident right now predicting, if he's healthy, a 100 RBI season for Ryan McMahon next year. I've been very high on this kid for a long time, and just like I was saying after 2016 in Double A, when he wasn't so good and, and, and people were writing him off, and I was coming out and saying, do not write this young man off. His work ethic, his cerebral ability, his natural athleticism, his drive to get better, these are things you cannot teach people. Even just like his size, um, his passion for the game, it doesn't make it all happen. At some point, you got to catch up to a major league fastball. You've got to lay off the major league slider at your back foot. But he's really started to do that. That's what's got me so hyped on Ryan McMahon. And maybe that's the reason why, despite the fact that I talk about him all the time, and I'm not sure I've said anything completely new to those of you who've listened to this podcast many times before, these are the little things that I'm seeing that have got me hyped. It's got to be the reason y'all want to know about him even more because you see the potential and you see that it hasn't been unlocked yet. He put up a 0.6 war FWAR campaign for the Rockies this year. This is a 3.5 FWAR player at least. And and we saw and that's basically the type of player that he was in the final stretch of the season. Now, he did end a little bit weaker than I had recalled. I was looking over his splits from month to month. His huge month was uh, July, where he hit 313, 371, 550 over 24 games. Really, really quality July for him. He did drop off after that. Uh, He kept walking. He kept the on-base and the slugging up in August, but the batting average dropped down to 248. But Still at an OPS of 879 in August, but in September, he really cooled off. He only hit 195. The OPS was 673. So, you know, we'll see. It's it's not quite fair to say, well, he ended the season really strong. Though he did hit five home runs there in the, uh, the month of September. So a 195 batting average, but they were all leaving the park. And, uh, you know, he, he's taken to both starting and th- there were times where he would come off the bench and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember how to pinch hit. I have some of the best, uh, most important pinch hit home runs or, or RBIs in the last couple of years for this team. And so I think you're looking at a really special player here. And I know a lot of people that have only seen him at the major league level are still wondering where is that next gear. And I'm just here to tell you it's in there. It is very much in there. And I was saying the same thing about Dahl. And, of course, the, you know, it, it's a little bit easier with Dahl because his skill set played out. Like, he came up to the big leagues and had a 17-hit 
streak, game hit streak right out of the gate, right? And so no one was confused. Like, like what David Dahl does well has always shown up on the field when he's out there where it's taken a bit more to kind of massage the raw talent of Ryan McMahon into this more sculpted thing, but that he managed the kind of success he did this year, the 24 home runs, you know, that, that month in July where he's just crushing major league pitching as a 24-year-old playing second base for the first time. Uh, he is coming into his own, and there's no player I, on the roster I would expect to have a bigger jump in production next year. Let me think. Who else would be on that list? I think Marquez has a good opportunity to go from eh, to wow. Um, and McMahon is in that category of player. Absolutely no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a vital piece for the Rockies next year, wherever they put him. And they need to do everything they can to give him an opportunity to grow in this role because I also think he could have a really interesting role to play as a leader on the Rockies, as somebody who's a little bit more vocal than the Nolan Arenados and Charlie Blackmans and Trevor Stories. And he's got a ton of respect with that young group. Uh, he basically led Kyle Freeland and Antonio Senzatella and Carlos Estevez and Pat Vallejo, who's no longer with the organization. Big Rymel Tapia, he was the leader on that team that won a championship and on a, a number of other teams that got close to winning championships in the minors. He has a ton of respect from everybody and not just the, the young guys that he played with. The veterans love Ryan McMahon. I've really taken to him. Uh, we wrote a couple of stories where Arenado and Story just spoke glowingly about everything that he's doing, particularly the work that he puts in to get better at second base because that's what they see up close and personal. This is a special talent that the world has yet to see come to fruition. And it's going to be fascinating watching it all unfold over the next months and weeks. But if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic about 2019, where are the Rockies going to get the missing production that they needed? I'm sorry, I said 2019, didn't I? In 2020, that they didn't have in 2019. Where are they going to get this? Here's one of the big, big places where the Rockies don't have to make a single move and can just let this extraordinarily gifted young man that they've had in their organization for years and years who's still coming into his own blossom the way several other players on the roster have. I would not take the under on Ryan McMahon, no matter the circumstances. I, I, am, I am buying stock in McMahon, captain of the ship of the bandwagon. If anyone wants to hop on, I, I will be utterly shocked if he doesn't firmly step into, I, I believe he's already done this. I believe this year he took the step from guy who's in the big leagues to big leaguer on a big league team. He would start for 28 major league baseball teams somewhere out there. They would find a place for this kid to play. And by 
the end of next year, you're going to be talking, he's going to be, I don't know if household name is is the right thing for, you know, nationally televised. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to be shocked if he's in that all-star game. I'd almost, I'll be more shocked if he's not, or at least not even in consideration. He's going to rake. And then he's got the smile, the personality. He doesn't mind talking to the media and a lot of other people would really rather not. <laughs> this kid should be in commercials for everything the Rockies do. The, there, there is nobody on the Rockies with higher potential for stardom and, and, and what that means. Like, he's more of the star, he said in giant bunny ear quotes, than guys like Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story. Like, I'm not talking about on the field. Obviously, those guys have done what they've done. Those are three of the best players in baseball. How dare I? But none of them wants to be a star. None of them. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, and Nolan Arenado would be more than happy if tomorrow they announced no more reporters. Now, they're not, none of those guys have ever been negative to me. In fact, they've all been very positive and very giving with their time. So I don't want to make it sound like it's something negative. I think they just prefer to focus on the game and on their teammates and everything that they're doing. And, you know, they don't always want to do the outgoing, you know, Charlie Blackman obviously has that aspect of him, the whole Chuck Nasty thing, but that's kind of a character he gets into every once in a while because he knows the fans love it and, and he's there to give to the fans and that's good and that's great. But I don't think it's naturally in any of those guys Particularly, and I've talked about this before, to be a spokesman for the team. I think it's something Nolan Arenado really just recognized maybe in June or July. Really right after that, after everything in the season went south. I think Nolan finally figured out, I've got to be the guy that comes out after the games and is the spokesman for the team. And he doesn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to do it either. But he took to it. And I still think that's going to have to be Nolan. But if there are days when it has to be Ryan McMahon, that's a really good thing for Charlie, Trevor, and Nolan. If he can ascend to that level where after a tough loss, we're going to Mac to ask him a couple of questions about where the team is at. If he's seen as one of the leaders, even at 25 years old, that's what they need. And he's got that in him to take that pressure off of those guys to give the quotes that we in the media need to go and write, oh, man, you know, we thought we had them tonight, but X and Y happened, and there's not... It's just someone to, to talk us through it a little bit. And he's really, really good at that stuff. And, and in that way, like, Todd Helton never had that. Larry Walker never had that. The Rockies haven't really had this... You know, like the Mets, David Wright back in the day. I'm trying to think of the guys that are really just both a star level player, but also a, a total ambassador of the team. Cargo was the guy the Rockies had who was that. And and that was that was always the tough part about losing him for everybody. And and that that there's been this, you know, there was not Gerardo Parra. Let, let's not, you know. There are different kinds of clubhousiness, and Parra was not the guy you go to after. Parra 
would re- again really prefer not to talk to the media, though he doesn't mind hanging out with us. It's that ability to calmly, sometimes entertainingly, discuss the game of baseball. Uh, th- that can be really important. It may not seem it, but it can. And then beyond that, all the other stuff I said about how I think he's going to be a star. So that is my take on McMahon to this point. I still hope the Rockies find a way to move him over to first base, which also feels a little more naturally captain-y to me, that he can kind of control the infield from there. But I, I think it's just such an extraordinary asset if you could move him there for his defense and then the bat, it's going to play. Take the over. Take the over on Ryan McMahon's bat. All right. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of the podcast. Hopefully you're following us on all the social media at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lines. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook or whatever podcast app you happen to be using. Make sure you subscribe to thednvr.com using promo code DREW or promo code LIONS, L-Y-O-N-S. Help us win a year supply of Breck Brew and try to beat some of those football, basketball, and hockey guys who are bringing in more subscriptions than us just because they're in season. Whatever, man. Whatever. We're getting it done. Make sure you're drinking that Breckenridge Brew. Showing up to the Never Summer event. That should be a whole lot of fun. And just continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Kreisman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Okay, who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make money. And here is the easiest way you can add a few bucks to your wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book. Or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel, like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com.